listening, I'm Yano. And I'm Tom. And this is Atomic Bomb, where we talk all things movies, games, and TV. Today we're going to be speaking about a few things. Uh, first of all, Spider-Man on PS4, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and Mission Impossible Fallout, uh, as well as a few other things. Just a general spoiler warning for anything that's come out in the last three months. Um, but we'll announce anything, anything before we speak about it, yeah. so you won't have to worry too much. Alright, awesome. How are you, Tom? How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Yana? I'm quite sick. <laughs> and I'm quite sick as well, so it's going to be a, a fun one of just listening to us with, with nasally voices. Yeah, so bear with us on that front. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you want to talk about first? Well, last week I said I was going to talk about the um, recent PS4 game, Spider-Man. Oh, right, came right, out, right. But it um, seems we've run out of time because we did go for an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> We did. That was not planned. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess we should start off with that. What yeah, 100%, 100%. What is happening to our city, Yuri? I don't know. Feels like the end of the world. Maybe it is. Peter Parker, how the hell are you? The city is in danger. It needs our help. All of our help. All right, well, call the play, coach. Gang of costume nutjobs is taking the city apart piece by piece. Time I return the favor. This is opportunity knocking. You know the closer you get to them, the more you become a target, right? The closer I get, the better chance we have to stop them. I've ordered Silver Sable and her team to shoot you on sight. This city's had enough of your vigilantism. You're officially an enemy of the people. Come on, Peter. You have like a cell phone in your in your po- pockets or something. Um. Yeah. Do you want to just give us your thoughts about the game? Um. Sure. So I think what I find interesting about Spider-Man on the PS4, first of all, is whenever I play a game, things like game mechanics and technicalities come into play with how I enjoy a game, you know, like things like combat and all of that kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. But mainly I always focus on narrative um, and characters yeah. and, and what that's like. So, you know, games like Black Ops 4 and stuff like that don't really interest me because there's no story. Mm. So it's just kind of boring to me. Mm. Um, Spider-Man, on the other hand, deals with a different kind of Spider-Man to what we're used to from the movies. Because so often we're introduced to a Spider-Man that's either in his last year of school or kind of, like, fresh from graduating. But here we're kind of introduced to a really mature Peter Parker Mm. um, with really mature relationships. And he's already had, like, a lot of fights. Like, you're sort of introduced that he's already battled the Lizard um, and Mysterio and stuff like that. Like, those people are in his past. So we've got this mature Spider-Man. And I think that's really interesting to see. Yeah, definitely, um, definitely. He's not a he's not a kid anymore, I guess. Mm. Um, 
And, you know, like, often Spider-Man's regarded as a superhero who people can relate to. Um, and often it was sort of high schoolers that could relate to him because he was dealing with things like uh, study stress and and um, keeping that balance. But now it's more about that balance between being able to pay your bills, um, yeah, yeah. your family life, your relationships. It's kind of interesting to see him... Um, struggling with really human issues, but they're different to what we're used to. Mm, mm. Um, I mean, you only started recently. Yes, I only picked it up uh, a couple of days ago, mm. and then I was away from it, so I haven't had uh, a lot of chances to, to play it. Um, but I, I'm really liking like um, the, the the stuff I have played on it. I think that uh, we couldn't have asked for a better Spider-Man game in terms of the mechanics and mm. you know the way you swing around the city. It's 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 pretty cool. It is kind of like the Arkham games in a sense, yeah. in, a, in, the, in a combat sense. And mm. like people said when it was re- first released, um, the combat is like the Arkham games, but just much faster. Mm. Mm. Really fast-paced. And it is very true to Spider-Man, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. The things you can do feel very, mm. you know. Uh, and I think one of the other things I really like about the game is it's sort of... Uh, Subtle nods to all of the movies. Like, yeah. Uh, not just the Sam Raimi series, but like the Andrew Garfield yeah. ones, even Homecoming. There's yeah. so many little bits that sort of link to those. It really is a game that kind of encompasses Spider-Man's culture throughout every generation, mm. Mm. Yeah, which yeah. is really cool to see. I don't know if you've got up to the part yet. I don't want to spoil it for you, but when you like, um, there's a train scene in the game. I've seen it on Instagram. Yeah. I haven't gone up to Where he... Um, where he holds off a train, and it's, yeah. like, exactly like um, Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi, Raimi oh, yeah. one. It's great. It's just really interesting to see, like, all of these kind of movie references, all different types and references. This is really cool. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm a massive Arkham uh, game fan. Mm. Um, it's probably the game I've played the most of. I've, you know, I've played each, uh, each one of them about four times each. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I love third person games. Um, yeah. and I don't know, there's just, I feel like there, there's something that it's not quite at the level of the Batman games. And yeah. I think maybe right. that's just because, you know, the, in my opinion, I prefer it when it's Batman because He's got, I think one of the things is that he's got a larger rogues gallery to mm. choose from, whereas with Spider-Man, there's like six villains yeah. in the game. Which is funny you mention that, because they do throw all of those villains into the mix immediately. Yeah. So, like, they're not spacing them out for separate games. Like, we've already been through Electro, we've already been through Vulture, um, uh, what's his name, um... Shocker. Yeah. Um, Dr. Ock. Mm. Um, who else is on the team? Scorpion, Rhino. Yeah. That's it for them. That's kind of. I mean, they can come back, yeah. but... But those are all the mainstream ones. Those, know, exactly. You know? So what you've got left is Venom and Green Goblin. Um, and maybe if they want to bring back Lizard or Mysterio. Lizard or Mysterio, yeah. that's right. Um, those are like those are the mainstream ones that they could bring back. Yeah, I guess that's enough to fill a game though. Yeah, and I would like to see them focus their villain base a little bit. So mm. I mm. did feel like one of my issues with the game was we had this huge variety of villains, but you had so little time with them. Yeah. So 
suddenly you end up fighting these the Sinister Six, but yeah. you're not fighting them individually either. You're fighting them twice at, at once. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's Electro and Vulture mm. at the same time. And when you beat them, that's it. They're done. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, it's. I mean, it's very interesting to see the dynamic of the combat when it's both of them. So, like, you know, like... Um, Vultures coming at you and Electro's coming at you at the same time and how they kind of interact with each other and mm. their banter with each other. Like, that's really interesting to see. But by that same token, I'd just like to see the villains developed one by one, which is something yeah. we've always been lacking in almost every Spider-Man film that's come out is mm. um, villain depth. Not so much in Spider-Man 1 and 2 of the Raimi series. Mm. They actually had really good villain depth um green goblin and dr ock were very well fleshed out i think mm -hmm. whereas once you got into spider-man 3 territory you started introducing sandman along with venom and then you had amazing spider-mans which had um lizard and electro and mm -hmm. rhino and green goblin mm -hmm. and it just gets too much um and one of the most important things when it comes to um a story is not just developing your protagonist, which is obviously Spider-Man in this case, but your antagonist, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what they mean to that, what they mean to that protagonist. But in saying that, Doctor Ock in this game is quite well developed. Mm. Um, he is a really cool villain, and I'm not sure if you're even up to him yet. I'm not even up to him yet. No. How much have you heard about him um, in the game? You know, I've I've just I've literally just got to the part <laughs> where Norman Osborn comes into his lab and mm. cuts his funding. Like right, that's, okay. That's basically as far as I've gotten. So you can kind of see the trajectory where you're mm. sitting, though. Mm. Mm. You can see where it's going. No, he's, he's a good guy, and he's got, like, you know, he's got morals. And exactly. Um, I mean, I will say that I do find that Dr. Ox arc is a little bit rushed, and I mm. think that is because of the amount of villains that they've thrown in there, yeah, yeah. which is kind of unfortunate to see, because Dr. Ox is actually a really cool villain and probably my favourite Spider-Man villain. Mm. Mm. Um, but in saying that, Towards the end of the game, once you really start having the Spider-Man Doctor Ock battles, it's pretty um, pretty cool stuff. Mm. Really, uh, I'll just I won't spoil any of it for you, but the final battle between Doctor Ock and Spider-Man is probably one of the best, like in-game fights I've ever had. All right, well I'll look forward to it. Yeah, I just want to use this this. Uh... This thing you talked about about Spider-Man always having so many villains mm -hmm. in uh, in his things to sort of segue into uh, a little side note, uh -huh. or a bit of an update really on mm -hmm. the Far From Home movie. Yeah. Because um, I was on Instagram the other day and I read that the actor who you know who sort of played Scorpion yeah. in the first Homecoming movie. Yeah. We had the Scorpion tattoo. Yeah. And then he was in the end credit scene. I heard that he. Um, finished filming his scenes. He confirmed mm -hmm. that he finished filming his scenes for Far From Home. Yeah. And it got me thinking, how many villains are in the Far From Home movie? Yeah. Because um, we know Mysterio's in it. Mm -hmm. We've seen um, uh, footage of that. Um, now we we know it's confirmed that the Scorpion dude yeah. has got some sort of scene in it. Yeah. Um, and there's also been rumours of Molten Man and Hydro Man. Yeah, um, that's right, yeah. I mean, I guess what it's up to, really, is just how far they go with each villain. Yeah. Because the problem with Amazing Spider-Man wasn't that there was 
too many villains. It was that there were too many villains they were trying to develop at a time. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if they throw someone like Hydro Man and Scorpion in there and they touch on them, it's like an opening fight or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. No. And they're also kind of smaller villains in the Spider-Man verse. Yeah, so true. just getting them out of the way isn't such a problem to me. Mm. If they turn around and say we're going to develop Mysterio plus Scorpion plus every other Spider-Man villain, mm, mm. that's when it becomes an issue because you start mm. just running out of space. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is what so many of the other films have run, it, run into the problem. Um, in Amazing Spider-Man 2, it was Goblin and Electro because mm. I actually found Electro kind of cool in the Amazing Spider-Man series. It was actually... I actually found it yeah. quite an interesting take on Electro. Yeah. I don't agree with the casting of Jamie Foxx. I don't no. think he was the best person to play it. Yeah. In a writing sense, he was he was all right. I think I think yeah, I think it was all right. But the problem I think is that they could have delved a lot more into exactly. Electro's motives if they hadn't having them. Just if they like hadn't then tried to put Goblin in, yeah, which was and they clearly put Goblin in. Even, I've got to be honest, the casting for Amazing Spider-Man Two was just strange. Yeah, it is because Dane DeHaan is <laughs> I, a. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um. But clearly they put Goblin in there to follow through with the whole Gwen Stacy arc yeah, where she dies. Yeah. Um, and I actually watched The Amazing Spider-Man 2 very recently because I love the film. It's just really entertaining. Yeah, I don't it's just a fun I think film. it's a good film at all. It's no. a very poor film. But um, I do I do get a lot of entertainment out of it. Um, but yeah, it really does lack in the on the villain front, mm. and it would be a real shame to see something like Far From Home fall into the same trap that so many Spider-Man yeah. films, for some reason, have fallen into before. Yeah, um, there was you know there were rumors um, surfing around last year about uh, after Far From Home came out that the Scorpion would be the villain of the uh, Black Cat and Silver Sable. Mm. Is that the name? Yep, Silver Sable. Yeah, uh, they were gonna have a film, and he was gonna be the bad guy. Right. So it might just be that he's just like, yeah, maybe just in an end credit scene or a mid credit scene, right? Just yeah. Like right at the end or something. Mm. But I don't know. I'm just I'm just a bit worried. But I think Marvel's got it under control. I think they've got it under control. They've definitely Marvel, if it, if it's such a word, Marvelified mm. Spider Man, mm. which is interesting. Um, you know, they very much brought it into very, you can, very much. It's a very much a Marvel story now, and they very much yeah. tell it in a very Marvel way. Um, like Spider-Man Homecoming was just very laid out, mm, mm. very classic Marvel. You've got the villain, you've got the protagonist, they fight. Mm. Not much more to, to it than that, really, mm. I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it would be a shame to see them lose their way with, with Far From Home, but I, I, I have my faith. Yeah. Um, like I'm sure you do as well. Yeah, I, I, um, I definitely do. And you definitely can't make a make an assumption on a film just on its early early kind of no marks definitely not um but yeah um, and i think that's something to consider uh-huh. moving on to our next segment uh-huh. with the aquaman reviews that are right <laughs> coming of course. out recently um because we've noticed there's sort of a pattern there is like, with dc films there definitely is and their early reviews saying that the movie's gonna be and i wonder movie. why that is sometimes because so yeah. often it is the same thing where you have everybody just assumes the film's going to be bad. Mm. A lot of people thought Justice League was going to be bad, um, and I think a lot of people are kind of feeling the same way about Aquaman. Mm. 
um, people people that aren't already invested in the DC yeah. universe. I mean, I mean, we've been saying for a while we've been watching the trailers of Aquaman, yeah. and neither of us have really been. I'm not particularly captivated. No. no. <laughs> um, but so it does start like that initially, where mm. there's kind of low hopes. Mm. But then these initial reviews come out, and everybody gets really hyped for it again. Yeah, yeah. And then yet again, we're all disappointed. Yeah. I mean, and you end up on the same path you're always on. Yeah. Um. Um. But I mean, what they're saying, they're, they're praising James Wan, mm-hmm. um, which I can get behind. I love James Wan. So do I. Um. They're they're saying it's like feeling like phase one Marvel but in like a good way right um but the thing is is like sure it's phase one Marvel but what impact does that have if there's no universe to surround it anymore yeah so where's Aquaman going like I feel like he's gonna lose direction in the end especially in things like sequels because every part that surrounds him Mm. has been lost Mm. he's not going anywhere and I guess we'll find out in the film whether they're going to try and at least create some cohesive arc for him to follow or yeah. some, something to surround him because I just I'm not 100% sure if Aquaman can survive on himself by no, himself no I as was, a franchise I was just I was thinking the other day imagine if they just dropped the Justice League and yeah. just made a new team that was just like Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam. <laughs> Which is something you can see happening because it's just something Disney, uh, DC would do. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's not like the first time that they have it. No. Like, thrown away source material for money. So. It's just very interesting because you see that like Wonder Woman was clearly a success, so mm. they're going to continue Wonder Woman, but Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman kind of fell in a bit of a pit in mm. Justice League. Mm. So at this point, they're kind of dropping some things, like yeah. Batman and Man of Steel, like their futures are in jeopardy. Yeah. We don't know if they're ever going to come back. Um, how are they going to address that? Mm. Um, where does everything fit anymore with the whole restructure of DC World? What really... What place... And I guess it's not really a fair question to ask because movies should stand on their own. Mm. Um and it's fair to say that something like Aquaman, if it's a good movie on its own, that's fine. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it shouldn't be forced to try and fit in some extended universe like, say, Marvel's doing. Mm. Um, mm. Because movies should be judged based on their own merit rather than every other film that surrounds it as well. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, if the film does attempt to try and fit into some larger universe that doesn't exist anymore... Mm. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, so recently, uh, the Cohen brothers released their new film. That's right on Netflix. On Netflix. Interesting. Like I was talking about last week, this yeah. new, re- kind of interesting uh, uprising in these f- directors releasing their films on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Um. You've got Apostle by the director of The Raid. Mm. You've got Hold the Dark by the director of Green Room. Mm. Now you've got um, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs um, by the Coen brothers. Yeah. People are so easily distracted. So, I'm the distractor with a little story. 
people can't get enough of them. Because, well, they connect the stories to themselves, I suppose. And we all love hearing about ourselves. So long as the people in the stories are us. But not us. This will tell the tale. I'm Buster. Buster Scruggs. You're shooting iron work. Appears to do, yes. Do you have anything to say before sentence is carried out? Sentence? What's my sentence? <laughs> Escalating out here in the West. My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. That man is a wonder. Oh, we'll just have to see, won't we? Ah, crazy business. <laughs> First time. Which is interesting. It's, yeah, it's, it's quite strange. Um, I've been watching it. I, I'm almost... I've almost finished it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see... I, I can definitely... I love it, but I can uh-huh. definitely tell why it wouldn't have worked in cinemas. Yeah. Because it's sort of it's sort of like a collection of different like short stories. Is this about seven It's short a stories? six anthology series, so it's yeah. just six separate... Honestly, completely separate stories. Yeah. They don't connect to each other. And I just... I find it interesting because so often someone would decide, okay, in that case we'll just put it into six separate one-hour-long episodes of a mini-series. Yeah. Um... But the Coleman brothers have it, have decided not to do that and release yeah. it in one film. Which I see the merit to because I can kind of see how, despite them not connecting in a narrative sense thematically, um, mm. they might have some kind of crossover. Mm. Um, but I'm not the biggest Coen brothers fan myself. No. And I never have been. I... Do not like No Country for Old Men. Yeah. And a lot of people do like No Country for Old Men, and I'm going to be hung for saying that I don't Mm. like it, because lots of people see it as a masterpiece. Yeah. But what they do so often is they create these narratives, and then they say, we want to go against kind of what storytelling's about, which is actually having a purpose to it. Yeah. So No Country for Old Men defies so many things um, that are kind of really important to storytelling, like... um, its protagonist for the first part of the movie is just killed off screen randomly. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay. And then um, at the end of the film, they just kind of just end it mm-hmm. there. It's just like, there's no closure. Mm-hmm. And I, I see the merit in doing something like that. And I see the message they're trying to send. And I, I kind of got the message of No Country for Old Men kind of just being about like nothing really matters yeah, kind yeah. of. Um, and nothing really makes sense in a world of... Of, in this world we live in, mm. but why? Yeah. Um, and like, what purpose does that serve? Yeah. And what purpose does? Uh, and I'm 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 asking the same question with the Ballad of Busker Scruggs, and I was mm. the whole time mm. while I was watching the film. 
these are cool characters you're you're showing us and um they're cool little stories i i do enjoy them and i am entertained by them which is important but what purpose do they serve yeah and by the end of the film what has been achieved yeah yeah, and, definitely. Um, that's what I found by the end of Ballad of Buster Scruggs is I just I really don't like coming out of a film feeling like nothing has really happened mm. of mm. importance and that's what I felt with Ballad of Buster Scruggs and like I said it's cool and it looks really nice mm. it's a really well shot film yeah, definitely. really nice music really good cast mm. James mm. Franco um, Brendan Gleeson yeah. Liam Neeson um Clancy Brown, <laughs> my man Clancy Brown, <laughs> love him. Is that um? He's the guy in the first story that's uh, he's playing cards. Ah, yeah, that man. He's there for like five <laughs> seconds. And you've got um Dursley, yeah, from uh, Dudley. Sorry, from uh, Harry Potter. Yes, uh, as an almost legless from. man, very skinny oh, now as well. Yes. Yeah, interesting, yes. interesting cast, um, mm. very interesting stories, um, because each one feels pointless in its own way by the end, I mm. don't know if you've noticed that, mm. you know, mm. people just die, yeah. and it's like, yeah, awesome. oh, cool, and it is, it is interesting, mm. and it is entertaining, like I said, and it is kind of funny, like the James Franco story, that one's funny, is yeah. funny, it's yeah. funny, but it's kind of, it still runs into the same problem of, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, why? <laughs> I've, had, I've only had uh, two other experiences with the Coen Brothers. I've seen uh-huh. uh, Oh Brother, We're Out There, which yep. I, I like a lot. Uh-huh. I think it's just like a funny film, yep. and I just think the dynamics between <coughs> the characters is really good. Yeah. Um, and I've seen Hail Caesar, yeah. which I didn't like at all. Yes, um, I, I, not many people did. I was going to ask yeah. you about Hail Caesar. Uh, I don't know. I, I still do not... I've watched it, I think, twice now. Yeah. I still don't know what is the... What what, what the movie is about. I'm yeah. like, uh, what... Who are these... Why are you giving me all these characters? Is it just because you could afford these actors? Yeah. Or is it... And I think I that... Know. Like I said, I, that's a problem that they run into a lot. Yeah. Um, And they... They do have such an interesting style to their movies, and I, mm. I just remember the other film I've seen by them is Fargo, and I love Fargo, mm. but again, it's weird, mm. and so is No Country for Old Men, and so is Ballad of Buster Scruggs. It has some weird choices in there, and it, their characters make really um, weird decisions that not yeah. characters wouldn't always make. Yeah, um, yeah. And I see, I see the um, the merit in doing that. Is defying what people usually expect, mm. um, but at the same time, I feel like the Coen Brothers are creating their own kind of trope within their films, where they do things like that, like in the beginning story, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, where they just kill their main character at the end, and yeah. then the same thing happens in the second one, and then people are just dying every single time round, and it's just mm. kind of like we get the point. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind. Of, I I just personally am kind of getting sick of it and bored of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in saying that, I didn't. I did enjoy it. Mm. Um, and it did entertain me. Um, so it's 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 a decent it's a decent film. Mm. And I think I think what I like about it is that um, I've been watching it in little segments, just like. Mm. So it's not a film that if I start watching it, I have to watch the whole thing. Yeah, I'm not very good at that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my attention span is not right. Um, 
So I did like that it was sort of cut into fifteen minute. Yeah. Um, well, they're stories. not even. Um, you've you've seen the first three. Yeah. Which are the shortest ones? Oh, is it? Is um, it as you one? go long, and and I read a review on it right after I read it actually, yeah. which kind of made this really good statement where he said, the films feel both. The each segment feels both too short and too long at the mm. same time. Mm. And it's it's purely because of character development and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, and he said that as well. Um, where it just doesn't feel like they get you. Just never feel like you quite understand the characters enough to mm. really care about these stories that they're mm. trying to tell you. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I'm gonna really ruffle some feathers by just. Moving on from Ballad of Buster Scruggs yeah. to t- talk about <laughs> yeah. the entertainment value of a film like uh, Mission Impossible. Alright. Um, to say that I preferred Mission Impossible Fallout as a film over the Ballad of Buster Scruggs probably isn't going to put me in good stead, mm. but I'll try and explain myself as best as I can. Alright. Showtime. Find it best not to look. Suit up. Ethan, do you copy? Ethan, come in. Do you copy? Mission Impossible Fallout, rated PG-13. Alright. Um, well, I've heard good things about Fallout. Yeah. I haven't watched it. I've seen Ghost Protocol and I've seen Rogue Nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see Fallout while it was in cinema, so now I'm just sort of waiting. The waiting. Mm-hmm. I can get it on DVD. Um, but just, yeah, just... Well, um... Fallout recently came out on DVD, just this week, or last week, um, and I decided to pick it up again because I watched it in the cinemas and Mm. wasn't, didn't like it as much as I liked Rogue Nation, Mm. um, but nonetheless, it is a very enjoyable film, um, it's not particularly original, um, Mm. it doesn't do anything particularly new, um, but I've always maintained that uh, the film industry and films in general, television, games, first and foremost should be about entertaining because that's why they were made. Mm. Um, that's why people tell stories is to entertain. Mm. Um, and Mission Impossible is very entertaining and it does have a very basic, easy to understand... Mm, easy to understand <laughs> plot that they purposely convolute and make yeah. really, like, you know, back and forth, like... Who can you trust? But that's just the spy genre. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it is interesting to see how they just embrace it. And I love it when a film embraces the genre they work within. Mm. Um, like Mission Impossible doesn't try and do anything new with the spy genre and, mm. like, twist it around and do something hip. Um, it just knows what where it exists. It knows what film franchise it's a part of, mm. and it embraces it. And when a film does that and feels comfortable in its genre, um, it does really well, and it does really well for me as well. Mm. Mm. Um, because Mission Impossible Fallout, although it might not be particularly groundbreaking in the stories it tells, um, the action sequences, the chase sequences in there, um, even visually it looks really nice. They're just... Really well done. Mm. Really well done action sequences. I don't know if you've, you've probably seen part of it. The action sequence in, in the, the bathroom. T- bathroom. Yeah. 
amazing. Mm. It's really well done and really well shot and really well choreographed. And that should be um that should be applauded in a film. Mm. Um and just because the word Mission Impossible sits before it shouldn't then make people sort of turn their heads and go, uh gross Mission Impossible. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you see the same thing in things like the Bond films, where they really do go through moments of being really shit, mm. um, like Spectre, Spectre <laughs> and really good, yeah. like Skyfall. Yeah. Um, and I think the same thing can be said for something like Mission Impossible. The past three films have been really well done, and I think each one's helmed by the same director. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and that's um, that's really what makes them, I guess, is... Um, how each director decides to take on the um the the the, the franchise and what direction yeah. they want to take it in um i don't know if spectre was directed by the same director who directed uh, skyfall i cuz i think skyfall was directed by sam mendes i'm not sure if spectre's directed by sam mendes though mm. Um, because it's largely not just about the director, but about the director-screenwriter combination, um, how the two work who with did each you other. Say, Sam Mendes. Um, who did Skyfall? Yeah. Yeah, he also did Spectre. Yeah, so yeah. you can, I guess you can also see how a director can obviously fall flat. But um, I'll, I'll say this, though. I, I enjoyed the, the first half of, um, Spectre. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, up until Dave Bautista's character came, flew out of the yeah. train. And right. Um, and then I just sort of lost it a little bit after that. Right, yeah. Um, I haven't seen Ghost Protocol, Mission Impossible before. Oh, yeah. But I have seen Rogue Nation, and I think Rogue Nation's a really great film because it's a great action film. Yeah. And that's really where you have to draw the line, I think, is how good it is at being a genre. Mm, mm. Um, and the mission, in, the recent Mission Impossible films are really good at being action films. Yeah. And why should we ask them to be anything else? You know, mm. if they're doing well at what they're doing, why should we ask them to do something really new? Yeah. yeah. With their stuff, because these films, in the end, they draw in people, and people are entertained, and they come out with really good reviews because things like the action sequences are really great. Mm, mm. Um. So yeah, that's kind of my opinions on. Mission Impossible Fallout, and I like it so much. Mm. Um, I want to like um, that's really that's really cool. Um, now I, I want to talk about a movie that uh, that I really like. Uh huh. Um, have you came wa- out? What's that? Have you watched it recently? Uh yes, I I have. Mm-hmm. I think it was about two months ago. Two months. Um, that I saw it. Maybe a little bit more than that. I was definitely this year. Yeah, I'll say that. Um, it is a part of a large franchise that's oh. been going on for a while. I feel like um, I... But I think, I think this one really, really turned out great, uh-huh. to be honest. Um, and it's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> you like dinosaurs? You're welcome. Run! Holy! We're not on an island anymore. Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, rated PG-13. 
for all of you that can't see me, I'm trying to avoid Yano's eye contact <laughs> because I'm so disgusted by him right now. Okay, let me, let me explain. Alright. Alright, um, I'll give you time to explain considering okay. you listen to me. Yeah, okay. First Jurassic Park was uh-huh. good, right? Yeah. Yeah. But second Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. it's not good. Yeah. No, third Jurassic Park is okay. Uh-huh. Jurassic World was also okay. <laughs> Fallen Kingdom is the first film that tries to do something uh, tries to do something new yeah I found well maybe not in terms of the movie but where the movie progresses I definitely see what you mean in the sense that a franchise reaches a point of fatigue Mm. where people are sick of seeing the same thing and you need to bring something new to the table yeah and And I I can see definitely where you're going coming from with Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom doing something knew with where it's going at yeah. least so continue um and i think that uh i think the, the 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 movie like in my opinion works because it it wasn't it's a movie about dinosaurs that like kill things yeah. right and it was it was trying to bring back that sort of horror element that the first one had yeah um that whole sequence at the beginning with the mosasaurus and the t-rex yeah um is like you know when they're underwater Yes. yes. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yep. It was it was like sorry, my what? dinosaur uh, my dinosaur <laughs> terminology isn't up to date. <laughs> I don't know what dinosaurs you're talking about when I hear their names. Um yeah, the the one with the the secret that yeah. whole sequence I think is just bloody amazing. I'm probably not the best to judge the Jurassic Park franchise just because I've only seen Jurassic Park Mm. Jurassic World and Jurassic mm. World Fallen Kingdom so I guess yeah. I don't know how the films progress yeah well the thing it, well sort of Jurassic World 2 um, also tries to bring the dinosaurs into the real world yes but only for the last like 10 minutes yeah of the story yeah whereas with Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom they they've set this thing up now where it's like alright well the island's gone yeah and we see a lot more of the dinosaurs on Earth. Yeah. And now they're still there at yeah. the end of the movie. That's right. And I think what it does really well is set up the next one to be something completely different. Yeah. The other and I will movies. say that I am definitely on board with what you're saying at the end, mm. where they definitely are... Like, I was very interested by the end. Yeah. Um, they were really setting something interesting up until I think somebody says it's going to be a Jurassic World. Oh yes, uh, yes, that made that's me right. that made me cringe. Jeff Goldblum's yes. one minute cameo. That that made me cringe like and ruined the moment for, for me a little bit. But when he goes, "Welcome to Jurassic World," I will forgive it for now. Yeah, um, I was just made solely for the trailer. Yes, and it's like you know what, you know what? That's the only footage we have of Jeff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like I said, I'm very interested with where they're going with it, and yeah. I think the next film has potential. To reap yeah. the benefits of where they're going with it. Yeah. The issue I had with Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is it's just a bad film. <laughs> yeah. Um, and characters make dumb decisions. Yeah. And yeah. dumb things oh happen. Oh my god, that guy who... Okay, so there's that one scene where that guy goes... The oh, guy steals yeah. the teeth. Oh. And then they've got this the most <laughs> dangerous dinosaur they've ever made. And I think they, con- they continuously set this character up throughout the entire film, as a guy who collects dinosaur teeth. Yeah. That was his role in the film. Was well, it? I don't that, was he going to sell them? Because, he, or does he collect them? And why... Just what? Like, 
Why? Because the thing is, like, but like, what, what was he collecting them for? Like a reason? Yeah. And if he was gonna sell them, why did he, he got like a Stegosaurus yeah. tooth and then the Indoraptor tooth? That's quite different. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what are you planning to do with these teeth? Um, he's not killing them. He's not hunting them. And I just remember sitting. I went. I went to this film as a work mm. party, and I just mm. remember sitting in my seat and watching him. And I was like, "You're not gonna." You're not going to go and try and fucking steal his tooth, are you? And then, <laughs> and then he does. And then he, does, and then he dies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I think definitely the, the thing that I love about the movie is that it's got that, that horror element. Yeah. That the uh, original definitely had. That whole part um, at, the, at the end in Act 3 when it's sort of the Indoraptor uh, looking for Owen and the, yeah. and the other characters in the mansion. Yeah. I think that's, like, bloody awesome. Yeah. Although there are, you know, because the Indoraptor um, could have definitely found them in the first five seconds. Yes. There are definitely some plot holes. <laughs> plot there. holes, which but, uh, we won't get into Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom's plot no. holes, <laughs> because we'd make no, a list we, as we, long as... This would be another 140 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Um... But I just, I don't know, I think it's, it, for me it wasn't necessarily um, the, the plot being good, but it was just sort of the, uh, um, mm. the, the, the similar thematics to the first one, yeah. without it being like Jurassic World and being like, oh hey, do you remember that from the first one? Yeah. yeah, we've got it in here, what? You yeah. mean like when this they uncover the car? Yeah. yeah, and then they find like the cup, and then they yeah. find the bloody goggle things. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I do... They've got a couple in, in Jurassic World. In Jurassic World, Kingdom, Kingdom, but it's not, not like, as overbearing. Yeah, it's like it's not like a kid character goes, oh, yeah. well, what's this? I'm going to play around this for five yeah. minutes. Like, I don't, like, like I said, I um, definitely agree that the film has improved upon some of its previous film's mm. failures of just trying to be like Jurassic Park, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's more trying to be something different or trying to escape from its own franchise. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom ends up escaping and going in a different direction, but doing so in a way which calls back to the original in a thematic sense, yeah. rather than having to say... Look, here's a car from the original. Here's this from the original. Yeah. Um, it doesn't need to do that because you feel like it's a Jurassic Park film. Yeah. Um, which is what Star Wars: The Force Awakens did for me in the yeah. Star Wars series. Is it felt like a Star Wars film? Yeah. And that was what was really important to me. Yeah. And sure, they had the obnoxious callbacks the whole way through, but mm. apart from that, it just was a Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. And the problem I had with the Last Jedi despite some of its storytelling um, flaws, was that it just didn't feel like a Star Wars film anymore. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and it didn't it have was... the magic of Star Wars in it. Yeah, it was like the, the Ryan Johnson, the director, was trying to subvert every single expectation we exactly. had of the movie completely. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and that's, that's too much. Yeah, like, it was too much, and it, it just feels very odd. It just mm. felt very odd. Um, so, because I don't hold as much nostalgia as you do for Jurassic Park, mm. um, I probably can't appreciate Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in the same sense of, like, what it's trying to do in yeah. that sense. Yeah, I understand that, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, we, we were just speaking about Star Wars a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it might be important that we talk about um, Solo. Solo. So you want to make a difference? Yeah. Trust me, you're going to love it. And which branch are you interested in joining? I'm going to be a pilot. Best in the galaxy. stuff me no <laughs> but you know what i mean it's sort of you could watch the whole series without watching without solo. watching solo um yeah. but if you watch it it's a fun time yeah and it definitely like yeah um definitely for, for me i out of all the new ones that they've made it feels the most star warsy yeah and i think part of that just comes down to it's um it's it's links to the source material yeah and its use of so many practical effects. Yeah. Um, because th- that was that was one of the main things that the director of Solo said. He said, I want to use as many practical effects right. as possible. So, yeah. you know, like every costume, every monster is it's practical. Real. Yeah. Um, and I think that's brilliant and it looks great. Yeah. Um, they lost a lot of money. <laughs> but um, <coughs> it, looks, it looks amazing. But it was worth it. Yeah. And I, I tend to agree because I was expecting poor things from Solo. Yeah, definitely. Um, it went through a lot of trouble while oh, it was being made. It had a lot of issues. Yeah. But I think ultimately it came out on top. Yeah. And the funny thing I find is a lot of Star Wars fans decided to boycott this film mm. Mm. on its release in cinemas. Um, but at the same time, it actually got from its fan base, mm. the people that did decide to go and watch it, it actually got relatively high praise. Yeah. Um, and then when it came out on DVD, you noticed everybody scampering back from their previous thoughts where they were mm. saying, I'm going to boycott this film because I don't want to see it. Mm. And then suddenly everyone was going back to just watching it. Yeah. Because they just, they, it is a very enjoyable film. Yeah. I think I think the casting's great. Mm-hmm. Um, Alden Reich, I think he he does the character justice. Yeah, he's not quite Harrison Ford, but no one's ever going to be Harrison exactly. Ford. Exactly. Um, yeah. Donald Glover as Lando is amazing. Yeah. Um, what's his face? Woody Harrelson. Yeah. He just plays Woody Harrelson. Yeah. But it works. It works. Um, and just it's just they're just a fun. You can tell that they've had fun. With exactly. This film. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing. We finally get to see. You know, I, I, you know, Harris, oh, Han Solo is definitely my favorite character. Yeah. So any, any more Han Solo stuff we can get is great. Yeah. You know, and, and now we've got two Han Solo films. You know, you've got Solo and the Padawan Menace. <laughs> <laughs> Solo was the Padawan Menace. What a great. Um, so, yeah, spread the word, guys. Hashtag Padawan Menace is canon now. Thank you. Or at least uh, make it canon. Please. Make it canon, please. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, I, there are, I, 
And I also really actually liked the end of Solo. With Maul? Yes. I like that too. I really I like, like that. <laughs> I love Maul as a character. I think yeah. he's so cool. Yeah. And I... It's really interesting because in Phantom Menace, he's such a... Like, really, is a tiny character. Yeah. Like, well, they could have done, like, character yeah. development or they could have just made him hiss angrily yeah. and they went yeah. with that they one. They went with so. the hiss angrily part <laughs> and then send him down a pit in half. Yeah. Um... And, and the thing is, is when he appears on screen, despite him just hissing angrily, yeah. everyone loved him and everyone was one it, of yeah. the favourite parts of that film. Yeah. Um, and then... Because uh, I talked to anyone about Phantom Menace and they're like, oh, it's like pretty shit, but I like Darth Maul. I like Maul. Darth Maul. Which is weird because yeah. he's not he's, really... He's barely there. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's not really the real antagonist of that no. film. The Phantom Menace is technically... Who is is it Darth is it Darth uh, Sidious technically? Yeah, is he, he the He's not really in it at all. Is it the is it the, like the racist uh, uh, the stereotype um, ones? I guess we should probably move on from yeah. why <laughs> yeah. Phantom Menace. Yeah. Is, I mean, yeah. it's <laughs> Phantom Menace after all. But um, then Clone Wars brought more back, mm. um, which I I remember when I I was I was younger when I when that was announced mm. but I was fucking hyped yeah. for more to come <laughs> yeah, back me too, me too. I was watching as much as I could for his lead up and mm. I was not disappointed mm. and then recently I've gotten into Rebels again yeah. Star Wars Rebels um, and he's really cool in Rebels as well yeah. and he's ended up having a really cool arc yeah have you have you finished his arc on Rebels I haven't no but he d- I know he I know he ends up yeah, Bite so, the dust. so he finally sort of, um, they finally have the showdown between Obi-Wan yeah. and, and Maul. I won't go too much into depth about it. But um, I think th- this is the problem, though. They've yeah. brought Maul back into the movies. Yeah. But the thing is, is that his arc has been done in Clone Wars, Clone and, Wars Rebels. and Rebels. Yeah. What else do you Which do is interesting to see how they're going to fit that in because they yeah. both do stu- Clone Wars and Rebels mm. are actually canon. So yeah. yeah. They do the exist in the yeah. official Star Wars timeline. So that's why I was thinking, oh, maybe they'll do something in, with him in the Obi Wan film. Yeah. But that's now been uh, kind of canned. I mean, I think that was the idea, was introducing him in. Solo, and they were going to have more solo films as well. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm on board for that necessarily. No, um, no, I think it would be kind of a poor idea to make a series out of a Star Wars story. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of glad that's been yeah, cast but aside. I mean, but I mean, like Kira and Maul could carry on, on into like something that. like Obi Wan. Yeah. Um, it's just unfortunate that everyone decided to boycott Solo and make it lose all that money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean I guess it's kind of the studio's fault for making a film that no one really wanted I think they just sort of they, they wanted to make this solo uh, these like Star Wars stories um, but they just shouldn't have started with solo no if you start with Obi-Wan yeah. it would go great yeah. if you start with Boba Fett it would have gone, gone great and yeah. then you can move on to solo yeah right but just it's weird that they started with solo especially how yeah um you know, the, the last film we saw Han Solo and he died. Yeah. So. Yeah. It is, it's interesting, it, that is an interesting point of watching this character die and then going back to... His origins. Going back to his origins and kind of, like, creating... And I know you could say the same for Boba Fett. Yeah. I mean, Obi-Wan what or, I find funny about you know, when the Boba Fett idea was floated, mm. um, when originally it was actually 
put out as something that was going to happen and James Mangold was mm. at the helm of it. I was pretty excited for that. Um, but a lot of people were saying, why would you focus on Boba Fett? He's not really a character that's been developed. Like, he's just this guy in mm. uh, in um, Return of the Jedi and Empire Strike Back that just kind of stands there. Why do we want a, why do we want a um, standalone film? Um, but then you make a film like Solo and you say oh, he's already been developed, why do you need to go back yeah, and, yeah. like, try and, like... And it's kind of like, what do you want? Yeah. Um, and I think what I personally want is, if anything, I want films like the Boba Fett film because purely because he hasn't been developed. Mm, mm. Um, if you can go back and add a backstory to a character that's just in there, yeah. um, add some new stuff, give him, make him really cool, um, sure, I'm all for that. Um, yeah. Make really good movies out of it. Um, I I think that's a really a much better idea than beating a dead horse, mm. um, like going and ma- making an Obi Wan film. I mean, Obi Wan has been in the Star Wars franchise from Phantom Menace up until A New Hope, yeah. and that's his arc. Yeah. Um, and he's in the Clone Wars and he's in Rebels now. Mm. I think Obi Wan really has been. His arc is safe, and yeah. it's, it's it's a good arc. Yeah, I um, think I think I was really hoping for an Obi Wan film. I think that might have been one because I wanted to see you McGregor play yeah. old Obi Wan. Yeah, and two because I wanted to see that final fight between Maul yeah. and Obi Wan. But that's been done already. Yeah, now. exactly. And so. that final fight between because I've actually watched the clip. Mm, the mm. final fight between Maul and Obi Wan is really well done because it yeah. calls back to their first ever fight. Yeah. And that's what Star Wars is about, is about that, like, connection with um, your past and then where you are now. Mm. And, like, they do all of that kind of stuff where everything comes full circle. Mm. <coughs> and in that Rebels episode, you have Darth Maul attempt the exact same move he used on Qui-Gon um, mm. in Phantom Menace. But Obi-Wan, you know, he, he remembers and he, he's, he easily... Um, he easily avoids it, mm. and that's just. And um, there's another note as to how he won that yeah. um, fight. Um, I saw on Facebook. Yeah, a guy um brought a little measurement thing. Yeah, um to his TV screen. Yeah, and uh, Obi Wan actually has the high ground. Oh, uh, yeah. um, <laughs> the master of the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, what we what should have made what would have made the fight is if he said it's over and all. I have I the have, high ground. I have the slightly higher ground. <laughs> exactly. I'm standing on a pebble. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it. I think that. I mean, I really need to finish Rebels mm. to truly experience just Maul's arc and then him mm. getting to that point. But just those little, what's the word? Those little um, bits that are just in there um, is really what makes makes Star Wars, I guess, and it's really interesting to see. Um, but like I was saying. Um, I think if they're going to focus on any stories, a Star Wars, any Star Wars stories, it should be characters that are in the films, but not developed mm. within the main story. Mm. So, because um, I'd also like to see a bit more of Grievous. Yeah, so would I. And Grievous is fine because Grievous is, I mean, in the Clone Wars, he's really, he's really cool in the Clone Wars. Mm. Um... But yeah, I think there's definitely room to then make a sort of story out of him mm. um, with a Star Wars story or something like that. Yeah. Um, because he is actually a really cool character and he does 
in his like kind of what's the, what would the word be his um uh, his like fan made backstory I guess or his written backstory in like the books that are now not not canon anymore um, where he's got this really kind of cool origin stories there's all sorts of things you could explore with characters like Grievous um, all these characters like Raven in in the Old Republic all of that kind of stuff that could just be really cool um, yeah. to look at yeah definitely yeah. Um, let's move on uh, while we're on the topic of uh, Disney remakes and reboots, mm. um, it'll be it'll be interesting. I think if we we talked about uh, Disney rebooting and remaking their old animations into into live action, movies. right? So Beauty and the Beast, The Lion, Jungle Book, yeah, Jungle Book, Lion, Lion King, King, Aladdin, Aladdin. Dumbo. Yes. Um, I my question is, what is the benefit of it what does it add uh well um it definitely <coughs> adds to um people's salaries yes uh, and, <laughs> and, and disney's, disney's earnings and, yeah <laughs> which um, is probably ultimately what it's for yeah um, um, i think um i think the good thing about it is that it's sort of you know we've got these all these beautiful live action movies that kids nowadays watch mm. and I think a part of the, the beauty of it of it is that now these kids get to experience movies that we grew up with yeah um, in the style of their generation yeah. sort of entertainment right yeah um, but other than that I don't know what else the movie aims to achieve that's right what's the point it is kind of funny because I really liked the Jungle Book film yeah. The live action one, um, but I'm not sure if it was really needed either. Yeah. Um, and I might have just enjoyed the Jungle Book live action because I like the Jungle Book, mm. and I like the story of the Jungle Book. So why wouldn't I like? But, like saying that, I think a reason I, I like the Jungle Book because it was it looked great yeah I think the cast was amazing yeah and they did some other like new things with the story as yeah. well yeah um, because they had this you know they weren't having to sort of constrict it to this like cartoon they could yeah. get a bit more nitty gritty with it yeah um, um I can see them doing that with the Lion King as yeah. well that's right but I'm just not sure about Aladdin and Dumbo <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to the Lion King and that yeah. teaser that I saw the teaser they released. Yeah. I think it looks really good. Yeah, because it's John, John Favreau's doing it again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he is. Um, and the cast is pretty good. Mm. Um, it's got a lot going for it. Mm. Um, and uh, they do tend to do things like adding new characters to at least give it some new flair, mm. I guess. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that. I'm actually looking forward to Dumbo as well. I know yeah, you're not the biggest Tim Burton fan. No, but I, I, I like the cast. Daniel yeah. DeVito, Michael Keaton, yeah. Colin Farrell. Yeah. Like, I think it's... I, I, I'm, bu- I'm behind Dumbo. I'm not sure if I'm behind Aladdin yet. I just... It's sort of the same problem I have with Jokers, you know? It's like, you can't replace Robin Williams in that role. Yeah. It's kind of like... It's really that's, just... That's the only one where I'm like, why? Yeah. Like, Dumbo, I'm like, okay, it's a very old Disney yeah. story. Bring it and back. It, it might be good to bring it yeah. back. 
especially with sort of the style that they're going yeah. with. Um, with the Lion King, it's the same thing as you know uh, as Jungle. Well, Boy. at least with the Lion King, they have a reasoning for it in that John Farrow has clearly proven his worth in directing that yeah. kind of film, so they at least know that the film is going to turn out yeah pretty well. But then Aladdin just sort of feels like it's too recent still. Yeah. Um. There's the music, you know, the musical and. Yeah. I agree, and it could, and when I don't like Beauty and the Beast, the live action, mm. personally, I, I just with that film, I I don't know. I think I think the thing that the live action films should stick to is not making them the musicals. Yeah, that's just my opinion. I think it just works better when it's not a musical. I think like, when you make it a musical, you kind of run the risk of making it feel cheap-ish, yeah. in a sense. I also just didn't like the casting in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. I thought Emma Watson was alright. Yeah. But, um, what's his name? Was Gaston? Uh, Luke Evans. Luke Evans. And then... Was a weird choice. Yeah. Josh Gad was okay. In saying this, I guess it's not really designed for us to watch. I no. Mean, but no. Yeah. <laughs> we're kind of just graduated from high school and we're yeah. watching Beauty and the Beast yeah. live action yeah. and then judging it for being not up to our standards when it is a kid's film. Um, but no, I think it just sort of, if they're going to stick to something with the live action, I'd say be like Jungle Book and don't make it a musical. Yeah. Time. I mean, Jungle Book does have music in it. Yeah. But it's, it's got... very. They've I don't got even like, know how to describe the music. Of, you know, they've got the hints to yeah. Um, the it's not full the, out musical numbers. Yeah, they've got the bear song that he like yeah. sings while he's swimming down the river. Yeah, and you've got I wanna be like you. Yeah, the the orangutan. Yeah, I don't think you just can't make a jungle book movie without that. To be honest, no, you just need it. <laughs> Um, and that was just funny because it was yeah. just Christopher Walken and The Lion King will work because it doesn't have any music in mm. it and Dumbo will probably work because it doesn't have any music in it but I guess we're yet to see Aladdin because like I said the only ones I really haven't liked have been things like Beauty and the Beast that does have the music in it mm. um, so Aladdin will be something that has to prove its worth I mm. guess mm. and it could um I mean, the teaser that I did watch for it is actually kind of cool, and it is kind of cool seeing all of the classic Aladdin stuff brought to existence, but, mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, there's, there's a lot of them coming out. That's what I was going to say. Exactly. You've got three different yeah. Disney live-action films all coming out, all coming next, out year. next year. I was looking at Disney's roster next year, and it is enormous. Yeah, Just huge. in general... Star Wars, um, Avengers, Spider Man Far From Home, um, all of those Disney live actions. Dark Phoenix now as well. I guess they will be, yes. Toy Story 4. Oh my god. (laughs) It's ridiculous. And it really shows Disney's industry takeover. And it is kind of worrying to see. It's a good thing Disney's good at what they do. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good thing it's Pixar's a good, thing a good Sony's scene. not taking over. I'll say that. It's a good thing Sony's not taking over. Imagine if we're just like, oh, we're getting all the we're getting trolls movies. Thank God year. we're getting emoji movie two. <laughs> thank God we're getting emoji movie number fifteen. This is Wait, Wreck It Ralph's this year, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, and actually, speaking of Sony, I just read today that they've announced a um, she's spider a spider woman. 
movie. Really? Yeah, oh, they're, they're, they're gonna they're oh, gonna make boy. a Spider-Man movie. They're really um, <laughs> they're really they're quite proud <laughs> of Venom's surprising box office. Like they really think they can throw anything Spider-Man related at us. Venom works. Have this film about Jared Leto as a vampire. Have this film about Craven the Hunter. Craven the Hunter, because he's a Spider-Man villain. And he's his own. And we all really well. want it. We yeah, all... we all want the, they all want these, and they want this. Yeah, have Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I, I would just if Sony it. if Sony took over, it would be a, a world of full of venom and. It would just be strange. It would be like we're still in 2006. So, like, like I said, thank God Disney's a big yeah. film enterprise and has an assortment of really good products because despite what you say, Marvel's pretty pretty decent. Yeah, compared to other and things. And Pixar is a very, very good animation studio. Yeah. Um, so we're not suffering. No, we're not suffering. Yeah, it's just we're not suffering of, from poor stuff. We're just, just suffering sort of from... And it just kind of feels like I'm being force-fed yeah. a little bit yeah. with their products mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to a point where, like, people aren't even going to know what's Disney anymore because so much is going to be Disney Yeah. over the next few years. Yeah, of course. Um, and speaking of uh, a sort of, of Disney and how they're setting up this, this Disney universe, their own yeah. streaming service, right? Yeah. Disney Plus, um, and they're, they're sort of they're sort of pulling the plug on a lot of Netflix Marvel shows. Yes, they pulled the plug on Luke Cage. They pulled the plug on Iron Fist. Um, I, they're definitely pulling plugs on the shows that haven't been performing. Yeah, as... I think they've they've said they're not doing another Defenders season. Yeah. And um, but I I was just sort of surprised that um. Oh, well, Punisher season two has been know, teased, been in the works, for yeah. it, and there's been like leaked images. Yeah, so that was that was way back. Yeah, but recently we got like Jessica Jones season three images. Right, and I didn't know Jessica Jones season two did, did that very well. well, and it didn't. But Jessica Jones and Daredevil are those two Marvel pieces which are, I think are really sitting on the edge. Mm. They're successful enough to continue, but Disney's also at that point where they're saying, but we kind of want them now, yeah. but we can't have them. Mm. So if we can't have them, no one can, I think. And I think it would just be weird, because I think after Punisher Season 2, because Punisher Season 1 was quite controversial, Yeah. because it's it's just a guy with guns. Yeah. And it came out at a time after like three shootings. Three shootings, yeah. <laughs> Great um, timing. So I don't think... I loved the first season. I watched it recently, though. So yeah. It, it didn't really have that sort of same, same impact. Yeah. Um, I think after Punisher Season 2, they'll like probably like instantly pull the plug yeah. on Punisher. Yeah. Jessica Jones... Will be done probably after season same. three, and Daredevil will probably be done after season three as well. If they renewed season, season, season four, four, yeah. If they renew Daredevil, yeah, um, which hasn't happened yet. So mm. I really I guess, hope it does though, because I like Daredevil. Daredevil's a really great series, <laughs> yeah. apart from half, second half of season two. Yeah, yeah. Um, but apart from that, it's really good. Mm. Um, and I'd really hate to see it just be abandoned yeah. for the sake of a streaming service. Yeah, yeah. And I'd like to see Disney go beyond their money and look towards just producing something that fans want, I mm, guess. Mm. Um, but yeah. Um, I guess we're going to have to see what happens with all these Marvel TV shows, but I think ultimately they're going to die off one by mm. one from now, just like Luke Cage and um, 
Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> anyway, that's that's a pretty good wrap on, yeah. the, on the on the past. I'll, yeah. On the past few weeks, um, months, I guess as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, games and movies. Um, but there's obviously a lot more to talk about, and we'll talk about it next time. Yes. Although I would like, I would like to finish the podcast uh-huh. on a little, uh, uh, a little recommendation for people out there who love to watch films uh-huh. that are just so bad. Uh-huh. Uh, a couple couple years ago, I was watching the Sci Fi Channel, yep. uh, which we all know is famous for just terrible things <laughs> like. <laughs> Just the worst films you can imagine. Uh-huh. Like they're responsible for like the Sharknado series Great. And, and and other things. So like real that. true quality products. Re- yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. like you could probably make a movie on an iPhone, edit it in an iMovie, and Sci-Fi would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we can show that. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, a couple, couple years ago, uh, the movie was released in 2013, so maybe it was like quite a while ago. Yeah, I just had this memory of it and it's so vivid because it was just so bad of this movie called Battle Dogs um, wow and uh, basically it was a film about uh, it was basically a zombie film um, but it was uh, it was with werewolves instead and they took over San Francisco oh I'm looking at it now um, here we go here's the synopsis on uh, IMDB a werewolf virus un- uh, a werewolf virus is unleashed upon New York oh New York so not San Francisco uh, and Major Hoffman looks for a cure while Lieutenant General Monning wants to establish a new canine army <laughs> um. Um, and uh, uh, well first of all the special effects are just so awful um, it's sort of like it's someone just went on to uh, someone just oh went onto the online and they just found a green screen image of uh, of, a, of, a, of a, a werewolf and then they just pasted it over their film. Um, it's terrible. Um, the acting oh is also horrible. Um, <laughs> is there on, any um, the... is there any upside to this film? The upside is that it's extremely fun to watch. <laughs> Um, because it's just it's just so fun to make fun of. Yeah. Um. There's this scene where they've got all these army people, right? And there's this guy with this massive gun, and he's like shooting, and there's yeah. like no recoil at all. He doesn't know how guns work. There's a guy behind him with a pistol, and the recoil is like shooting his arm out. Basically, he's just throwing it backwards. It's so strange. Um, and I, you know what? There's just it's just so strange. And then there's this one scene where they. There's the main lady and the main guy, and they they both they jump off a a bridge. Uh-huh. This is probably why I thought it was San Francisco. Yeah, I was like, oh, bridge, go, <laughs> bridge. Um, they jump off a bridge yep. to escape the werewolves. Yeah, but they had stunt doubles jumped off the jump off the bridge, but the woman's stunt double was like a was like a, a sort of a, a quite muscular man. Um, <laughs> And it was just so strange because this skinny woman, she's like, ah, and she jumps up. It's just this muscular man wearing like a, a wig. And I'm like, what? what Clearly they fooled everybody with that one. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, we'll fix it in post is probably what they oh, said. Oh, yeah, that's probably what they said. And then they realized you can't do that in Windows Movie Maker. Um, so that this is god awful. 
Um, let's let's see some of the uh, some of the reviews uh, that uh, some of the wonderful, it sounds delightful critics have said. I'm sure they'll be. Um, uh, oh, there's, there's only one review <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh-huh. Uh, this movie's um, certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. There's only one review, <laughs> and they it liked says, it. An entertaining B movie with a very good cast and genre, of genre notables. So that's great. It's not. It's not. It's not <laughs> fresh. Please. Are you? Sh- are you sure? Oh, the audience score is fourteen percent. Yes. It's only got one critics review. That. That's really something. That's uh. It's probably it's quite under the radar. So <laughs> I guess you could call me a, a, a uh, indie film. An indie film. Indie film guy. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I sort you of. You really like those these... underground films? Yeah. Yeah. All the, all the movies on the sci-fi and, um, channel really good. I think you're really going. doing everyone a favour with recommending them this film. And I think Definitely. you should all go home tonight um, from wherever you watch are right now film. and take a look at Tell Battle Dogs 2013. Uh, watch the trailer. Let me know. Let, let, me let know us let right. us know what you think. Um, I'm never going to watch it, but nope. if you guys want to explain it, it to me, <laughs> um, give it a go. Um, so I think that just about wraps us up for, for today. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, we, we kept that one nice and short, not we, 140 minutes this that's time. That's <laughs> good. I hope you all I hope you all appreciate appreciate us trying to cut it down a little bit. Yeah. Um, we're trying, but we're, sometimes um, we get a little sidetracked. So, yeah, sometimes we're very passionate about what we do. <laughs> um, um, so thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And um we'll we'll, we'll see you all next week. Yeah, we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Bye bye.